0: so um, I want to share with you the rest of that sermon. We're talking about the gifts uh, that you have. We're talking about the call on your life. We're talking about what Jesus Christ desires for you. And as we've seen the theme continually all morning long is how Jesus Christ wants to use you to reach a lost, dying, and broken world. That there are a myriad of people out there who... They, they need someone to reach out to them. They need someone to understand where they are. Someone that's been there before and realizes how hard it is to reach peace and wholeness. As a matter of fact, how hard is it? It's impossible without Jesus Christ. It's impossible to do that on your own. And we've got so many people in the world who they're going after. It. They're working. They're trying. They know they need to be better men and women. They know, they, they know that they're not whole. They, they know something's missing. And they're trying really hard only to continually fall on their face and find that it's near impossible, as a matter of fact, impossible to do that apart, the, apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So it's not a, it's not a question of Do they need help? It's a question of who will help them. It's a question of who will go into those places. Who will sacrifice what they desire and what they feel and how they think things should be done. Who will sacrifice themselves to go into the darkness to shed the light. Does this remind you of anyone? You see, Jesus Christ is our example. Today's message as we continue on is called, Your Call is Jesus' vision. And as we see in these passages here, what what Paul is calling Christians to do and, and what he's calling who he's calling them to be, it really it comes down to what Jesus sees you doing. And so as we figure out what Jesus Christ has called you to do, what Jesus Christ sees happening, and and it's not just what he sees, but what he's decreed. We believe in the sovereignty of God and that Jesus Christ is working everything together for his glory and the good of those who believe in him and are called according to his purposes. And so this morning, I need for you to understand that Jesus Christ knows exactly where you need to go. He is going to carry you to where you need to go, but He is going to do it through working in your life, bringing about things that you could have never imagined if you will only trust Him and give Him yourself. If you will give him your time, if you will give him your hands, if you will give him your gifts, if you will give over to him everything that you possess, he will multiply, he will redeem it, and he will do a work in you that you cannot imagine. And through you that you cannot imagine. We're going to continue in Ephesians chapter 4. Last week we looked at uh, verse, 11. We, verse 11 and 12 a little bit. We will jump back a little bit to verse 12 today and look at it a little bit more. But we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Let's read these verses. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray against Satan and his schemes right now. I pray against uh, the, 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 the cunning, the, uh, the, the schemes that he, that he brings into our life, that he brings into our path. God, I pray against the distractions God, I pray against everything that's even come at us this morning that would try to knock us off of our focus, that would try to knock our eyes off of our vision, that would try to knock our focus off of you, that would try to come in and, and interrupt anything, any work that you are doing here today. God, I pray that that would be chained, that it would be gone, that it would be destroyed, that it would be Put aside so that we can focus on you, so that we can learn about you, so that we can grow. God, help us to repent in our hearts from wrongs that we have had throughout the week, throughout our lives. Help us to open ourselves up to you. Help us to knock down those walls, to allow you to come in and destroy those walls so that our hearts might be changed. Even more so than they were yesterday, the day before, last Sunday. God, I pray for growth today. I pray that we would take another step toward maturity. God, that we would come into an understanding of you that we've not been in before, that we would grow more today than we've ever grown in our entire entire life. God, I pray that you would bless the reading and the hearing of your word and help it, God, not to return void. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this last week, just let me give you a little bit of a reminder. Last week, the first thing that we talked about was that continual growth is vital to you and to us. Is that if you are not pursuing Jesus Christ on a daily basis... And I mean that on a daily basis, then it is... It is going to hurt you, and it's going to hurt us as we pursue Jesus Christ together. As we see Him, and as we move in Him, and as we ask Him to use us to be a tool, to be a vessel through which we can change the world, and through which we can pour into people so that they can become more whole, if you are not continually growing in Jesus Christ, and if you are not pursuing Him, and seeking Him, and receiving Him, then you are hurting yourself, and you are hurting the body of Christ. The scripture goes on to say he gave some to be apostles and evangelists and so on and so forth. There are, different, there are different parts to the body, but we all work together to make one body. We talked last week about the way that, that, that you have different gifts. And you have different callings and, and different ways that God is desiring to use you. Thumbs don't do what thighs do. And if thumbs try to be thighs, then you end up on your face looking silly right? Noses, they don't do. Your nose doesn't do what your eye does. And As a matter of fact, if we don't have eyes and we're all a bunch of noses, then everything stinks and nothing looks really good. That's really hard for a a church to be what God has called it to be and really all Christianity, you got to understand that this is just a local representation of the universal church. We are members of a bigger body. Okay, we we serve a purpose in this bigger body, and it is to do what God has called us to do so that our big body will be able to do and reach people, okay? And the stronger you are, the stronger we are. If you're a bicep and you're very weak, then we look like girls at the gym. Uh, You know? But if you are doing what God has called you to do and you're in the word and you're in fellowship with other believers and you're on your face continually praying and seeking God and loving him and you're building up and getting stronger, then we're looking for the good at the gym. You know? We can we can get in there, we can work out with those guys. We can we can we can hold our own and we can defend ourselves, we can feed ourselves. We can do a lot of different things. You all have a purpose here at the church. What we are trying to do is get away from the idea that church is a consumer sport. Where people come and they sit on Sunday mornings and they listen to good music and they listen to some guy talk and then they go home and they do their own thing throughout the whole week and they just come back and listen again on Sunday. Taking it all in but never giving back out. That's no good for you and it's no good for us. Not if I do it. Not if you do it. And so we talked about that, the continual growth is vital to you and to us. We need spiritual fathers and mothers out there. We need some of you to step up and realize that whether you realize it or know it or not, people are looking at you and they're taking their cues from you. And they are taking what you are doing to heart. And they're doing the same thing, good or bad, good or bad. They're following you, they're watching you, they're listening to you. They're smelling you, and if you don't take baths for two weeks, your kids think they don't either, and then it's, everybody's thinking. I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. So we all have different gifts. We all need to be growing and seeking Christ. Um, I listened to this sermon the other day, and I, I, do, I try to listen to a lot of sermons. It helps me. I was listening to a sermon the other day, and a guy was talking about holy habits, holy habits, holy habits. And I know that, that my... my uh, my emphasis and my slant, so to speak, uh, my drum that I beat a lot of the time is against legalism, okay? Because we have a huge problem with legalism in the churches that surround us, okay? You got to look like this. You got to talk like this. Make sure you got the suit on. Make sure you got the da 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 But the problem with that is, is that and I see my own flaws. I see my own, and, and my wife will tell you, I know I talk about that too much. I talk about it so much sometimes that we go the other way. They always say, it doesn't matter, you know, you come as you are, come as you are, and that's true too. But Jesus Christ wants you to come as you are, but you don't need to stay where you are. He's going to grow you, he's going to teach you, he's going to train you. And the problem that I have is doing those things so that God will love you and so that people will accept you. You know, I am loved because, fill in the blank, anything other than Jesus Christ is a lie, and it's heresy. I am loved because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me to redeem me from my sins and wash over me through his blood and then transformation comes as we grow in jesus christ and that doesn't necessarily look like a suit or anything like that but what i'm saying is is that if you want to grow in your relationship with christ and you will develop some holy habits such as being in your word every single day if you claim to be a christian you need to be reading your bible every single day not just a preacher every day you say every day I i don't even like to read the funny pages we talked about this in our Wednesday night group. I understand. Sometimes it's tough. Um, you know, especially if you, well, I won't get into translations. Get you a translation you can understand. Okay? That's one good thing. Do you know that different translations have different reading levels? you know that? A lower level is very helpful. Very helpful for somebody who has a hard time reading. And God is not going to be mad at you. And lightning is not going to come through the ceiling. I promise. Okay? Get a translation that you can understand, that you can read. That's okay. Okay? That's okay. Two is, there are so many, so many avenues that you can tap into because of technology, you would not believe it. You can listen to sermons. You can have somebody read the Bible to you. The Uversion app is free. You can download it on your smartphone, and it will actually read the Bible to you as you ride down the road. As you work and cut your grass, work on the tractor, whatever it is that you do, it will read it right to you. Okay? There are different ways for people who have different struggles and different hardships that you can get God's Word. One of my favorites is I try to read the Bible every day. I try to get in there and study that thing. But you know what? One good thing for me is is that I I have a lot of preachers that I like and I know they teach the truth and I know they teach God's Word and I listen to sermons all the time. I listen to a lot of sermons. If If you look in my iTunes, on my library I have 13 days worth of sermons if I played them straight. That's not to say that I've listened to all those or that I will listen to all those, but I've got them at my disposal. If I'm riding on a long trip, I'm going to go down the road for an hour, pop a sermon in, and I can hear somebody teach on the sovereignty of God. Or I can hear somebody teach on gifts. I can hear somebody teach the Word of God. You need to be growing. That's what we talked about last week. I want to get in this week to um, the second point, which you can pop it up there, Terry. Reaching maturity must be our goal. Reaching maturity must be must be our goal you know we taught you need to be growing you need to be seeking jesus christ but it doesn't need to be something that you are ritualistically doing that well i gotta read my bible today so let's make sure that i'm reading my Bible. god is not looking for you to be a robot okay i got my song and dance down i'm making sure that i'm doing my quiet time every day god where are you why are you not blessing me god i've given you i've given you eight and a half minutes every day for the past two months come on man you know, it's not like that. It's not like, it's not like you are putting, putting change in God's piggy bank for a rainy day. It's not like that. You are getting closer. You are learning more of the Creator so that you can have a more intimate relationship with Him. Not so that He will bless you and give you what you want. God is not a piñata and prayers a stick. That is, not, that is not the way this thing works. We don't do what God is asking us to do so that He will have to do what we want Him to do. Uh-uh, no, no. We are diving into Jesus Christ and loving him and pursuing him and continually growing in him so that we can start to understand who he is and so that we can understand that he already knows who we are. You see, that's the reason that you can't develop relationships very well. It's because you are unwilling to show people who you really are. The moment that we show someone who we really are is the only time that you can develop true, good, strong relationships. You know why? It's because until you show them who you are, then you will continually understand and feel and know that they are loving the show that you are putting on. But you are not sure if they really love you. You show somebody all of your bumps and bruises and dirty spots and they still love you? then you know you got something. If they, if, oh, I don't want to go there. Oh. If you can use the bathroom and not be upset that you had to use the bathroom, like you ever went to a friend's house and you had to use it, you're like, no, God, please, no, no. You know, you ain't got that good a relationship with them. Some of you are way too comfortable around people. I'll tell you that right now. Listen, don't pass gas in my car. We are not that close, okay? I'm telling you right now, and look at my wife. She's like, oh my God, please let it stop. <laughs> I'm just telling you, everybody, I mean, come on, guys. You know, we're in Landrum, South Carolina. How do you know you're really good friends with somebody? When you can talk to them openly. You know what I'm saying? If you can pass gas around somebody, that's a pretty good friend of yours. But except some of you, some of you are just gross and it doesn't matter anytime. Please don't do that around me. It's offensive, okay? Some people are like, you're offending me right now by saying those words. We need to be continually growing. We need to be continually growing, and that maturity should be our goal. Maturity should, is that just like counterproductive right there? I mean, I didn't even realize that until it just came out of, that was like just direct opposite Maturity should be our goal, and, and, and growing up in Jesus Christ should be the game plan. What, is he, what do you mean, preacher? What do you mean? Let's look at the text. Listen to what he says here. He says he gave some to be uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Listen to what he says. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ is that we shouldn't just read our Bible so that we can get done reading our Bible. We should read our Bible so that we can sharpen our sword, so that we can have more ammunition in in, in our weapon. You understand, in in the Word of God, there's only a couple of offensive weapons that you have. One of them is, the primary weapon is, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you didn't know that, write it down. You're One of your only weapons, there's only two. Some people say that's the only weapon, but it's actually not. There's one other one that I've found. But the sword of the Spirit is your primary weapon. If you are wondering why, you are not a very strong Christian, that you don't stand up against yourself. okay? Some of you are battling yourself, and you don't know why. The, the evil you always wins. And the flesh is always winning out. And the things you want to do, you don't do. And the things you don't want to do, you do. Oh, oh my. You know, that's what Paul says. It's it's a fact. It happens. And you say, Brandon, I want to read my Bible. I want to do good things. I want to help people. I want to, I want to, I want to. But myself is in the way. You know what the most directly uh, offensive and effective weapon that you can use against yourself? The Word of God. You must preach to yourself continually every day. You must remind yourself every day of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. You must remind yourself of how stupid you really are. And if you try to go through this life without Christ and the wisdom that he gives, that you will fall on your face and make a fool out of everybody, including yourself. But if you want to be a man, if you want to be a woman, if you want to be a good God-fearing woman or a good God-fearing man and grow up out of your silliness... Then the Word of God is how you do that. It is how you correct yourself. It is how you lovingly correct and help guide those around you, not in a harsh way, not chopping off people's ears like, Paul, like Peter did, but in lovingly defending the ones that are attacking them too. Do you know how to use the sword at all? Are you grown enough to even pick it up? Because it can be heavy from time to time. But the more time you spend in here, the better you get. You see, we reaching maturity must be our goal. Paul writes, until we all attain. That means that all of us need to grow. You say, preacher, that's your job. I'm just not good at that whole reading thing. What do you think would make you better? I hear that. And the reason I say that is I hear that all the time. I just don't like to read. I'm not that good at reading. Well, when Titus was five... He wasn't very good at reading either. Six, he's better at reading and he's getting better every day. You know why? Because we make him read every day. He gets better at it. They say, Brandon, how, how, do you, how can you pick that stuff out of the Bible? It's because I've got more experience. I'll tell you right now, there's a long way for me to. There's a far. Lord Jesus, there's a far. Ain't nobody got time for that. We got Jesus going on in here. Where was I at? What was I saying? Huh? That's like 10 people talking one time. Reading your Bible. If you want to get better, if you want to get sharper, there's a, man, I've got miles to go. I'll go ahead and tell you right now, there's a church planter in Asheville, North Carolina. His name is Stephen Birch. He might watch this later. I'll give, I'll give hats off to Stephen Birch. He's a church player in Nashville called Centrality Church. That's a ministry that we give to, trying to support them and help them along. When I get around that guy, he makes me feel like an idiot. Not because he tries to, not because he wants to, but because he's got such a great knowledge of Scripture. So he's got a memory that I just don't have. You say, Brandon, it's hard for me to read. Try being a preacher with a terrible memory. It's not that great. I have to study, I have to study stuff, and I'll go back in my Bible, and I don't know if you do, but I write in my Bible. You see my Bible? I write in my Bible. And my goal one day is to have every page written on, every page, because I'll know I've been there, because my memory is that bad. As a matter of fact, I'll go back through, and, and, and I'll, look at, I'll look at text, you know, I'll flip back through in Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. I've got that highlighted, but I'll go back through, and I'll be like, I have no idea remembering this why did I underline that but I can go back and I can read it sometimes I'll remember oh I know why I underlined that now See the work this takes you think that's just you think I just love reading my Bible all the time Woo-hoo! super Christian no there's many many times where I'm like oh. but man when I get into the Bible and, and I've got holy and I've tried to have holy habits I try to be spiritually disciplined and I have to have my brothers come along sometimes say, You've been reading your Bible? Like I should. Come on, brother, you can do better. Encouraging one another. But I have to open my Bible, and I have to have holy habits and spiritually discipline to say, I don't really feel like reading right now, but I'm going to. Because I know that it's how I get stronger. It is how I get bigger. It's how I get better. It's how I get a better understanding of who God is. And I want to be set free. Who then shall set me free from this body of death? You know, that's what Paul said right after he said, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. Oh, who will set me free from this body of death? That's what Paul said. You want to be set free? Jesus Christ is the one who does that. You want to know how you better know Jesus Christ? Word God. Maturity should be your goal. Maturity should be your goal. Are you stronger? Here's just a few questions we're going to go through. I, I'm not going to uh, elaborate on each one of these, but I want you to ask yourself. Are you stronger or farther along today than yesterday? Are you stronger or farther along today than yesterday. Ask yourself these things. Be honest with yourself. Are you farther along, Or are you playing games? These are real questions. I'm not here so that you can, so I can tell you a joke and you can laugh, okay? The only reason I tell you jokes and try to make you laugh is so that you will allow God to speak and lower your walls. I want you to know that I'm just like you. There's no difference between you and me except what we're called to do. You've got to understand that the same struggles you have, a lot of them I have too. And it is I, there's no difference in my call and your call when it comes to how we pursue Jesus. You've got to understand that. Jesus Christ is calling you to step up. He is calling you to grow. He is calling you to get stronger. You should be taking steps and coming out of your comfort zone. You think it's always easy for me to get up here? You think it's easy for Robert to stand up here and do announcements or for Wesley to, to learn new songs every week or for Mark to set up men's events? It's not easy for Christina to do a new Bible study. On the way, she, she forgot her court date, and here it is. She's like showed up at my house. She's late. She's like... I'm a terrible leader (laughs) and I'm like no you're not you were late it's no big deal but that sacrifice she shed tears over her ministry hear this you are a minister let me say that again raise your hand if you can hear me talking raise your hand if you can hear me talking Can you hear me? Everybody should have their hand raised. Keep them up. Put them down when you hear me say, you are a minister. One more time. Charles is honest. Ben's honest. You are a minister. You are. You got to. That's right, Ben. That's right. You are ministers. You might not, your ministry might not look just like mine, but you are a minister. You need to be growing. You need to be getting sharper. You need to be overcoming sin. Jesus Christ is looking to fill you up and looking to give you power that can overcome sin in your life. Will you slip? Yeah. But you better not use your slippage as a right to sin because that's not right. Just because you say, well, Jesus has forgiven me, I can sin this week, and next week I'll be good. No, that's the wrong question, wrong attitude, wrong heart. You say, Jesus has forgiven me, so I will not sin this week. And then when you sin, you get up off of your face through His power and repent and stop sinning. Ask yourself, how solid am I? How solid am I? Am I confident or unsure? Am I needy or am I able to give? Look at the scripture. Go back where he says, verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, he goes on, remember when it says, so that, we need to look why it's there. This is the result. This is the goal. You need to know this. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. How strong are you? Are you tossed around from place to place or do you know who you are? Are you confident about Jesus Christ and what he's called you to do? Are you confident about who he is calling you to be? Are you confident about the gifts that he's given you? Or are you still wondering, well, I don't know, man. You know, I'm not sure about this about this man thing. How solid are you? Are you confident? And and all of these are questions that you may say, "Nah, I'm not very confident." You know, I'm tossed around. I have a problem with alcohol, and I messed up really bad last week. And it seems it seems to have mastered me. Then what you need to do is not do a better job and make sure you don't get drunk next week. It is you need to sell. This is a heart condition. This is a heart thing. And when I tell you that you need to grow up in Jesus Christ is that you need to lay that on the altar. How many of you, oh my goodness, how many of us have sins that we will not let go? I was at a funeral yesterday and it was a long funeral, but it was a good funeral. And the guy, a friend of mine, he comes here pretty often He was talking about a vision that he had of his dad, and his dad was really sick, on a ventilator. And he said he had this dream, he had this vision, that his dad had received wholeness. He had received wholeness, and that the vision he had was that his dad was almost brand new. That he had opened up his insides, and it was brand new, brand new, you know, his body was failing. And he was brand new, but he had these huge cement blocks on his feet. And so he had this brand new body, he had this brand new set of hands, a brand new desire to work, but he had these big cement blocks on his feet. And he couldn't move, he couldn't run, he couldn't go where he wanted to go, he was held back. And he said that his dad looked at him in the vision, his dad was the one that had the new insides and the new hands, but these big huge blocks, and said his dad looked at him and said, we are going to do about the blocks? In this particular situation, his dad had already told him he was ready to go home. He's ready to go home. He's ready for the, the world, the blocks to be destroyed, and he's ready to go home to see Jesus. It hit me. How many of you, how many of us have big, huge seeds? You've received a new body. You've received power and newness of life. And, 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 a, and a wonderful potential to go out and change the world and not just be filled up full yourself, but to be a vessel that is used to give other people life. Eternal life, but you're walking around like this and you can't go anywhere. You are locked in by the own sins that you allow to come into your life because you refuse to wage war against sin. Sin is killing you, it's killing your families, it's killing our families, it is holding us back, and we can't go anywhere. We can't go forward, we can't go backwards, we can't go to the side, we can't go to where Jesus called us because we got these blocks on our feet. And Jesus is saying, I came to smash the blocks too, not just make you new on the inside. It's time to run. It's time to get away from sin. It's time to flee temptation. It's time to be changed by God. It is time for you to grow up. To grow up. I was talking to someone this morning, and uh, our team has been going through these These guides and these new structures, and we've been hammering them out. We've spent hours upon hours upon hours on these new guides. And it is simply so, not that we can make everything structured and work this way and that way. It is so that we can take the blocks off of our feet. There are lots of ways to bust block. Lots of ways. Some of you, it's just a simple sin issue. Some of you, you're saying, well, I don't know why, Brandon. i just, i got, you know, I just can't get close to Christ. I can't commit to anything. I can't commit to my, my wife. I can't commit to my, my girlfriend. I can't commit to reading my Bible. I can't commit. I can't commit. I can't commit. You know why? You're committed to your sin. Your commitment is misplaced. You're committed to something. Every person in this room is committed to something. Some of you are so committed to you, you would rather die than to give up your sin. And you will. Hell is hot and eternity is forever. How many of you will take it to the grave because you will not let go? Your commitment's just misplaced. You see, Jesus Christ, He's standing over here to the side going, commit to me, commit to me, commit to me. I'm better. I'm better than your sin. It's holding you down. I'm setting you free. It's taking your life. I'm giving it to you. Why? Why? Why do you hold on? And I'm asking you literally right now, why are you holding on? Why do I hold on to the sin when Jesus Christ is so faithful to take it away? I'm holding on to your sin. It's time to grow up. It's time to come out of your shell. The, The last question I have for you is, am I needy or am I able to give? Am I needy or am I able to give? And, and this isn't talking about money, not just talking about money anyway. But it, it is. But that's just the least of it. It's talking about you. Who you are. The video that we watched last week, it talked about who will step up. Who will be an intercessor. An intercessor is someone who will stand in the gap. Jesus Christ was the ultimate intercessor. You need someone to stand in the gap, to do what you cannot do, to do what you needed done, to bridge over circumstances that you can't see past, that you can't reach past, that you can't go past because you don't have the ability to do that. But somebody was willing to come and stand in the gap and to bridge the divide, to rip the curtain, to do what you could not do. Jesus Christ did just that. Now, you need to understand that you are a minister and that you are called to be an intercessor. To stand, into the, to stand in the gap of those who can't see a cross. Now there are some in this room who are already doing that. There are some in this room who need an intercessor. But there are some of you who are just standing there and you refuse. You refuse to do what God has called you to do. Because you refuse to let go of your sin. What am I calling for this morning? I'm calling for repentance. That is not a very... A very popular thing to call for. Because in order to repent, you need to understand and realize and admit that you're a sinner. And that you have things in your life that are hindering you from doing what God is calling you to do. You say, Brandon, I don't know if I can come next Saturday. And I just use Saturday as a practical example. You say, I don't know if I can come next Saturday. I've got to do this, or I've got to do that, or I don't know. know, There's these things that I was wanting to do on Saturday. Saturday's my only day off. There's a million different excuses, guys. A million different excuses. And that's not just about Saturday. Say, I don't know if I can get in my Bible this week. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. I need to fill in the blank. Are you needy or can you give? Are you needy? You know, how much easier would it be? How much easier would it be for us to minister to the world out there if we in here could get filled up in Jesus Christ? if we could have our needs met in Jesus Christ so that we could stop pouring out so much in here and all of us, instead of of five of us pouring into 20 in here, what if, now I know there's going to be needs in the church, it's going to be that way, and that's okay, that's okay. But what if, instead of continually being needy, Fifteen of those twenty realized that Jesus Christ was the one that met their needs. And so then they got filled by Jesus, turned around, joined the five. And then there was twenty-five meeting the needs of five and then able to go out into the world and meet the needs of others. You see, so many of the church's resources and time, and when I say resources, I'm not just talking about money and things like that. I'm talking about time of leaders, Is spent ministering to the needs within the church. And that's okay. We want to do that. But you don't need to be continually needy all the time. You need to get filled up in Christ. A lot of that is is that you are looking to feed off of us when you need to be feeding off of Jesus in your own life and in your own time. And that takes maturity. That takes maturity. Every one of us will have needs. Do not hear me saying that. Every one of us will have needs from time to time, and we need to see each other's needs. That's why we have relationships. That's why we have bucket groups. That's why we have team leaders and service leaders who are looking to pour into you. But what I'm asking is, are you only needy, or are you able to give? It's time to grow up. It's time to get your fill of Jesus, but then turn around and be willing to be used by him. Let's go back as we think. As we think about this, is coming straight out of the scripture. Listen to this. The question asked is, are you needy or can you give? Am I needy or am I able to give? Listen to what he says. Back in verse twelve, we're going to jump back just for a second. Listen to what he says. He says, "We'll start it in 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And for building up the body of Christ. The work of the ministry and for building the body of Christ. How often and how many of you think that is, it is the pastor's job to do the work. And let me define a little bit. The work of the ministry is things such as that word ministry is the same word, the same root that comes from deacons, diakonos, okay, which means service, servants. So the work of the ministry is the work of service. The work of, and if you'll go back to Acts chapter 6 when they set up the first deacons, and they talked about this, it was that they were to pick out from among themselves good men, solid men, mature men, who were grown up in their faith, who didn't need all the time, have their hands out all the time, but they were giving, they were willing to give and willing to serve. They said, pick out from among yourselves some that are willing to do this so that Peter and the rest of the apostles can handle the word of God and do the teaching. So that we can preach. So that the ministry of preaching and teaching and providing knowledge to people wouldn't be left behind. That it wouldn't be abused. But in our culture, in our day, what have we done? We've set it up as consumerism. And we say, we're going to come to church. Now I see you overcoming this. And so I want you to know I'm proud of you. Do not hear me condemning. I am proud because many of you have learned this and you're coming out of that mold. I want to see more of you coming out of that mold. That means you're growing. That means you're growing up. But what we see in a lot of our churches is people saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to watch. And I'm going to watch this man who is called to do all of these things. He is to minister to every need in this room. He is to evangelize out there. He is to go to the hospital. He is to do the visitations. He is to do the weddings. He is to do the funerals. He is to feed the homeless. He is to meet the needs. to do mission works. He is to go, 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 go. And it sure is a good show to watch him go. Meanwhile, you're sitting comfortably going, I need a nap. And he's going, the weight, the weight that is on many of our preachers today, I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't carry as much weight as many do because we have went into this understanding of that and a lot of people have stepped up and I'm so thankful. Let me hear you, let me let you hear me say right now, I'm so thankful for such an amazing team, for such an amazing team. We want you to come on board and be part of that team. That's why we're doing this training. You see, but so often they're saying that their people are sitting out there saying, get it, preacher, get it, tell him, tell him, tell him what he needs. When really we should be saying, God, what do I need to give? Listen to what he says. He did not say, and he gave some to, uh, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers for the work of the ministry and for the building of the body of Christ. Did he say that? No. No. Let me read it again. If I I threw Wesley a curve right there, I might need to back up. Listen, did he say, and he gave... Here, put it up on the screen so they can see. Did he say, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers for the work of the ministry and for building up the body of Christ? No. What did it say? It said, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers for what? Hold on, hold on, all together. Four, I mean, I mean, he gave them. Oh, that was that was awful. <laughs> Let's do it again. Ready, set, go. you <laughs> ain't got no rhythm. <laughs> Ready, set, go. That's right, to equip the saints, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building of the body of Christ, for building up the body of Christ, for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Do you understand this? Is this completely backwards from what you thought most of your life? Be honest. Is it? Who is it? All of y'all knew this and you know, y'all ain't never done nothing about it? We need to repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Listen, guys, it's not my, you know, it is, let me, let me back up and say, I'm not going to say it's not my job to do that, it's y'all's job to do that. Because, you know, we're accounted among the saints, too. This, this message, I mean, I could preach four weeks on this verse. This verse. Let me throw this in there. God just reminded me of this. Go back to that, if you will. My fault. Curveball. He says, he gave all of these guys... To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Let me tell you where a lot of our problems is. Mine too is in this word right here. Too many of you, too many of us, are quick to recognize ourselves as sinners, but we won't trust Jesus that he has made us into. Thanks. Jesus Christ, if He has come into your life, He has relieved you of your sin. There's no need for you to keep fighting with it. It's not even there anymore. It's like my son who is afraid of the beast in the closet and there's no beast in the closet. And he's paralyzed. The other night I had just that. Heather was gone and I had let him sleep in my room uh, a few nights in a row and it dawned on me that i'm gonna have a hard time transitioning him back into his room so i put him back into his room he got out of his bed about six times and if you know me in my house we don't do that when i put him to bed you stay in your bed that's the deal okay we don't want to start that but he was terrified frozen in fear of something that's not even there there's a what did i do something wrong (laughs) Frozen in fear of something that's not even there. You guys need to understand, and we might do point number three next week. We just why don't we just make a new series out of this sermon? That's okay. I don't I, can't do it next week. We got something else going on next week. To equip the saints, and I'll, I'll finish this point with this part right here because this is crucial. You need to understand that you can trust Jesus. Some of you have trust Jesus for salvation but you didn't trust him for purification. Some of you trust Jesus to to keep your toes out of the flames of hell, but you didn't trust him to put your bottoms on the seat in heaven. Some of you don't understand that Jesus didn't just make you even with the house, but he set you in the heavenly places. Do you understand that that if you know Jesus Christ, he has washed you white as snow, that you are a saint, That you are a saint. That you are a holy saint. That you are righteous. No, you did not have any righteousness of your own. No, not none. There were none righteous. None who seek God. None who go after Him. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But... Jesus Christ came, shed his blood so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible says, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. you got to understand that your needs don't need to be met. They have been met in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross washed away all your sin and imputed righteousness right up inside of you. You are filled with Full. there are no needs they are invisible needs come on guys I don't know how to say it any clearer you have no needs the needs that you think you have are in your head and you make them up and you're scared of ghosts that aren't even there as these guys come out and as they start to play let me tell you and I wasn't planning on sharing this but let me tell you how I got Titus to be good not to be good but like to accept being in the bed and to be okay with being in there by himself you know how I tried many different ways I came in I told him son you know the deal you get back in that bed and he got back in the bed he came back out and then I took him back up And I was like, Lord you know I'm praying the whole time trying to pray I was like, Lord, Lord, God how do I how do I how do I do it how do I handle it because I don't want to be mean I don't want to be I don't, he's not he doesn't need discipline not at this point and so I went back in and, and Titus, you know, he's, he's getting good. He's getting like a manipulating ninja. He's getting good. No, no joke. This is, this is Titus. He's sitting on the bed, six years old, tears welled up in his eyes. And I think he can do that on command. And he's like, You know, I'm crying. <laughs> I said, You know, I was kind of aggravated. I was like, Why? <laughs> I just need a little love. <laughs> And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and so I go over, and I just bear hug him and love on him and kiss him and, and bear hug him some more and tuck him in really good and tight. And I leave the room, and I'm like, that was pretty awesome. And here he comes, right back out the door again. <laughs> that is not right. And I looked, I told him, I was like, you're not right, man. That's not right. Back in the room. So we did it a couple more times, and I was getting frustrated, and I thought, God, what am I supposed to do? And and this is perfect. God, there's no mistakes. This is perfect for where we are right now. It dawned on me. He needs love. And he needs to know he's loved. And he needs to know I'm there. But he needs to know that I've got power too. You know what finally settled him? is that I showed him a little power. You got to understand, this is in comparison to a six-year-old. So to him, I'm huge. And it just dawned on me. I came in the room, I said, Titus, why are you afraid? He said, because there's monsters that might get me. I said, you know there's no monsters. Why are you afraid? He said, because somebody might come in the window. No, there's nobody coming in the window. But Daddy, they might come in downstairs, and they might come up the stairs and get me. I said, do you know who I am? And I said it like that, too. And he's like, (laughs) who? I said, I'm your Daddy. And I said, let me tell you something right now. Anybody tries to step in my house, I'm taking them outside, and I'm going to handle them, son. I said, nobody's coming in the window, because I'm badder than they are. Nobody. Nobody's coming in this house because they don't want to come in here with me. That's how I said it, too. I had him like, yeah. (laughs) Why do I tell that story? I don't tell that story to make you think that I'm something because he's six. I tell you that story to know that you do not have to fear your sin because your God is bad to the bone. You don't have to fear. Because God rules it, He rules the universe. He is the creator, He is the author, and the perfecter of your faith. He went out before you and slayed the giant, and He turns around and says, You can come on now. There's nothing left for you to fear. Fear is an imagination. Oh, that's good. Do you understand? There's nothing for you to fear. Don't you understand? The freedom that is in this, there's nothing for you to fear. You are a saint, a child of God and God Almighty has got your back and He is standing saying, come on, mess with Him. Mess with Him. See what happens. The Protector Jesus Christ is the ruler of the universe. And if you are cowering it's because you don't understand that or you have forgotten it, where do you live today? Where do you live today? Do you live in fear? Do you live in fear or do you live in power and confidence and glory? Because you continually remind yourself every minute of every day who your king is, who your daddy is, how bad he is, and how awesome he is, and how protective he is of you. He came to the cross and died for you. You think he's going to let somebody have you? Hell was coming at him from every angle, every angle, every, everything, every temptation was begging him, pleading with him, calling out to him, trying to tempt him so that he would come off the cross and trade you and sell you out. You remember Satan said, I'll give you the world. I'll give you this, I'll give you that. On the cross, his pain, the pain, he was fully man The pain of his flesh ripping off his his arm and his back and coming off from everywhere was screaming out, give it up, give it up, give them away, give them away. And he said, I will not trade. I will not let them go. I will not turn my back on them. I will stay till the end. If he did not leave you then, he will not leave you now. He is good at his word. He's good. And if you want to be released into power, if you want to be effectively used by God to transform those around you, to transform your community, to transform your family, to transform the world, all you have to do is trust that your daddy's bigger. You have nothing to be afraid of. And the last thing I want to share with you, and we're going to shut it down, Put the last one up there. The sky's the limit when your head's on straight. The sky's the limit when your head's on straight. I'm going to read this last part of these verses. And I'm going to leave you with this thought. It says so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Verse 15, listen. Rather. We wouldn't be weak and tossed around but rather. We wouldn't be fooled and and led by deceitful lies. Rather. Rather. I wouldn't be like this but I will rather be speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. The last thing that I'll say to you today is that the sky is the limit for you. Some of you right now you're not hitting the sky because you're cowering on the ground because of what we just talked about. You think that sin owns you, and maybe it does. If sin owns you, then Christ doesn't. If sin owns you, then Christ doesn't. If Christ owns you, sin's ownership is an illusion. That you are like the dog that returns to its own vomit. You are The proverbial fool who has not believed God has done what he says he's done. Is Christ your owner? Is he your master? Is he your king? And if he is, stop being owned by sin. He is the head. He is the one who is calling. He is the one who is leading. And all he is asking you to do is to follow his lead and to lay down your entitlement to lay down your claims, to headship, to bow down and surrender, and He will show you who you really are so that you can do what you're called to do. And when that happens, the sky's the limit, and we build ourselves up. Oh, that's good. You see the total, the total contradiction of what we've made church into? Is that it's the pastor's job to, to build the church and do the work of the ministry and, and to do missions and to do inward missions and to do all of these things. It is my job to equip you to do those things as I do them along with you. As you give way to His headship and you fall into what He's called you to be, then we build ourself up. And our wounds, are self-healing wounds and we are an eternal body that every time we are wounded it heals itself but we need to remove the disease we need to cast aside the thing that hinders we need to press off everything that it so easily entangles us so that we can run the race with endurance looking to the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising its shame will you follow as we all stand to our feet and as we call you today I want to make two calls again today don't know why God is leading this way but I will try to be obedient I think that some of you are still mastered by sin and you've never truly given your life to Jesus Christ I think there are some pretenders in the room that need to lay it down today I think there there are some in the room who cannot overcome sin because sin has overcome them I think there are some in the room today that have prayed some prayer one time but never truly trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior some of you are still holding on and wanting to be the head and you've never given headship to Christ you've never truly owned him you've only talked to talk you've never walked to walk I would call you today to give your Christ to give your life to Christ for the first time or for the last time who in here needs to truly surrender to Christ today Don't be scared. Scared, fear, it's an illusion when compared to Christ. Who today would have the courage to say, I've been playing games? Who in here would have the courage to say, I've never truly been saved for the first time or the last time? Who in here would say, I'm ready to get right with God? I'm ready to be set free from my sin. I'm ready to experience Him truly, truly experience Him Who would be that first one? Who would have the courage? Who today? I'll stand with you when you get here. I promise you that. None among you? Pray that you're not just holding on to your sin clinging to the steel blocks the concrete blocks that are weighing you down oh how I'll pray for you right now my second call if there's none that would come for that how many of you have imaginary concrete blocks that you need rid of how many of you have sin that is chasing you every single day how many of you have sin that you need christ to deal with how many of you are like titus sitting in the bed scared to death paralyzed by fear you can't go to sleep you can't get up you can't do anything but peek out from under the covers wondering what the world would be like if you could only get some rest do you have sins that you need to lay at the feet of christ are there things that we need to pray for you about that you are struggling with letting go. You need the king to pry them from your hands. Then now is your time to come. I have things that are holding me back. I'll be down here praying. If our care team could move to the front. You have people here. Who if nothing else. They will pray for you. They will pray for your release. They will pray for your freedom. They will pray for God to move in your life. That you would be overcome with the king of kings with passion and desire so that you might be able to overcome the sin that so easily entangles you. At this time, you can come.